four years in serving in Forest, uh, Tim's brother, uh, Bill, was uh, our minister of music. And so, um, so it is great to, to be back to have the Rigby vibe going on this morning. So our scripture this morning from the Old Testament is a favorite of mine and I'm sure of yours. Uh, it comes from Psalm 42. Psalm 42. You can join me in your Bible, uh, your pew Bible. Uh, if you have an app on your phone, that's great. But notice, I do know what Facebook scrolling looks like versus scripture scrolling. And I will call you out. <laughs> of course, I don't know your name, so I'm going to be like, you, you. Uh, my children probably will think I'm talking about them because that's the way that I talk to them all the time too. You, you know who you are, you, that one. <laughs> Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Glorious and wonderful Father, open our minds and hearts and spirits to your word this day, that we may know of your love and your will for our lives. For it is in the holy and blessed name of Christ we ask it. Amen. I had the opportunity, I'll let you decide whether it's good or bad, to go to General Conference uh, several weeks ago. And while we were there, uh, the first day was a day of prayer uh, and worship, and it was amazing. And then the second day, uh, they divided us up. So if you were a delegate and you had the special credentials that meant that you were important, you got to go in one place, and all the rest of us got sent way up into the rafters uh, so we could be far away. And as we were gathering, about to begin the first business session, of this very important time in the life of our church, uh, I was visiting with two friends I'd gone to seminary with who currently serve in the Holston Conference. And we were sitting there chatting, and very soon we realized that in the section where we were seated, we were the only clergy in that section. We were surrounded by lay people. 
uh, which wasn't a problem for us, as we could say whatever we wanted to. It wasn't affecting our offering plates, so we were just like, hey. Um, but the great part was the perspective that that presented. And so we're sitting there, and of course, we're trying to be all professional, and we're discussing what do we think is going to happen, and how, what are we going to talk about here, and how do we think this is going to go. And right behind us was an older lady who had brought her knitting with her which I thought right there says a whole lot about this woman. She's like, yeah, whatever's going on with the church, I got some knitting to do. And so here she was knitting away. Click, 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 which we had to change seats shortly after that because that was getting really annoying. But here she was just knitting away, and we're sitting here having our own conversations, and something was raised about, well, how do we think... What do we think is going to happen? What do we think this is going to do? And then all of a sudden, this voice from behind us just inserts herself into our conversation. And she says this, I just hope that folks act Christian. And then she goes back to knitting. And, you know, I thought about that. And I thought about how sad it is in the gathering of God's people that that's the most we hope for. The most we hope for is that we'll behave. Since when did being a Christian become the goal that we strive for instead of the reality that we live? Since when did following the gospel and following the tenets of Christ and the new creation that we have been called to be, since when did that become something extraordinary? When in reality, as new creations, it's supposed to be as ordinary as every other facet of our life. It's supposed to be just what it means to be part of the faithful. It shouldn't have to be something we get praised for or lauded for or that stands out from the crowd. It should just be who we are. Over the next several weeks as a church, that's what we're going to be looking at. This is the only time I'm going to be looking at it on this side of it. But sitting out there, once I get back in the pew with you, we're going to continue this discussion of what what is the ordinary life of faithfulness look like for us? What does it mean to simply be a follower of Christ? Today we're talking about what that means with regards to prayer. Prayer is one of those things that we talk a whole lot about, but sadly do very little of. Now, if that had been the African-American church, somebody would have said, amen. Thank you. Come on, people. Look, I already know that I have a time clock, but I am so okay preaching for a while until somebody stirs something. It's something we do, and the Psalms are full of it, and our psalmist today talks about prayer in very intimate terms. It opens up beautifully, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for the living God. When can I be with God? There's a story that says there was a young man who wanted to know how to pray. And so he went to the wise man in his village. And he went to him and he said, teach me how to pray. 
And the wise men said, you don't want to know how to pray. Go away. And so he came back the next day and he said, no, seriously, teach me how to pray. And the wise men said, you don't want to know how to pray. Go away. And day after day after day, he kept coming back and kept asking the same question. Teach me how to pray. And finally, one day he came and he's like, I am not leaving until you teach me how to pray. And so the wise man says, okay, come with me. And he takes him down the hill to this beautiful, crystal clear stream. And he gets down on his knees right beside the water. And he says, right here. He says, now look deep into the water. So the man bends over and he looks deep into the water. And he sees himself. And here he's having one of those moments where he's trying to decide, what is it he's teaching me? Is it looking deep within myself for the presence of God? And just as he's getting all deep and theological, as sometimes we do, the wise man takes his hand and puts it on the back of his head and pushes his head under the water and holds him there. And just when he thinks he cannot handle it anymore, the man lets him up. And there he is, wet and cold, on the bank of the stream, sputtering. And he looks at him and he goes, why did you do that? And he said, you wanted to know how to pray. And he said, how does that teach me how to pray? And he said, when you want to pray as much as you wanted to breathe, then you can pray. The psalmist paints for us this beautiful picture that says, as the deer longs for the water, the water which it must have in order to live, the water which allows it to go on doing its thing, that that should be the way we long to be in God's presence. And that's the way we should be in God's presence. It for us should be something As simple as breathing. The apostle tells us that we should pray how? Pray without. I used to think that meant that I had to put a concentrated effort on it all the time. But the older I've gotten, perhaps the smarter I've gotten, I've realized that's not the way it works. As a new creation in Christ... My soul's hunger and thirst should be to always be in the presence of God. Each and every moment. It shouldn't be something that I have to schedule. It shouldn't be something that I have to look for. It shouldn't be something that I have to work out time for. It should be something as natural as breathing. I should constantly be seeking to be in the presence of God wherever I am. That prayer is not something we do, but prayer is who we are. And we realize that we cannot live without its sustaining presence in our life. The psalmist also teaches us the importance of not only praying all the time, letting prayer be like our breath, but also the importance of praying at all times. He says in verse 4, that in the times when my soul is downcast, that is when I remember worshiping 
with God's people. That's the Harper version, in case you didn't know. It's then that I remember the time, the good times in my life, where I should constantly be celebrating all that God is doing and God has done. And notice what it says also in the scripture. That refrain that we have that's repeated is, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope in the Lord, my God, my Savior and my God. It is that constant reminder of all that God has done and is continuing to do in our lives. And that should be an everyday celebration. Every moment of our lives, prayer should be celebrating what God is doing and what God has done. I loved the desire to say hallelujah after the scripture today. Because every time we reflect on the sacrifice of Christ, that should be our response. And it should not be something scripted. It should just be our soul overflowing with thanksgiving when we realize that the God who owed us nothing gave us everything. Thank you. It is that natural sense, but also the psalmist reminds us of the importance of praying in those hard times. Now, you know, we're usually pretty good at that. We're usually pretty good when things are going rotten, that that's when we want to trot out prayer. And we either pray in the sense that God is this eternal Santa Claus, God do this for me, or we pray in the sense that God is some kind of divine hitman. God do that to them. Yeah, you laugh because you know it's true. That's really what, in those difficult times when things are, we're struggling and we're faced with difficulties that we cannot control, that's when either we want God to come in and save us or God to change the circumstance and make it all go away. And take comfort. The psalmist did that too. But here's what I want you to notice. Even in the midst of the pain and suffering that is lamented in the psalm, the psalmist always returns to this. My hope is in my God. My Savior and my God. My hope is in the Lord. Because the reality of living this ordinary life of prayer is this. That as we learn to breathe and live and exist in God's presence, we also learn the importance that the circumstances of this world do not impact who we are and whose we are and the way we live accordingly. You see, that's where we as the faithful have gotten off track is we have become a reactive people. We let the world dictate how we respond. 
whether we respond in love, whether we respond in grace, whether we respond in anger, whether we respond in forgiveness, we let the circumstances that we find ourselves in dictate how we respond. We're constantly reacting. And that's why sometimes for the people who are unbelievers, they're like the church is schizophrenic. We never know what we're going to get when we walk in the door. Because we are constantly reacting. But once we learn to live prayer, we learn that it does not matter. It doesn't matter what this world throws at us. It doesn't matter if it's somebody else's fault or if it's mine. It doesn't matter if it's a blessing or a curse. It does not matter. Because our hope and our strength and our being are in something and someone who never changes. That is the life of prayer that we have been called to live. In just a few moments, we're going to gather at the table and we're going to remember That's the liturgy we use. We remember. Jesus said to the disciples, when you do this, remember. But did you notice that same word is used in our text today? Because that's the other gift we have from prayer. Is when we open our lives to the spirit of God and what God is trying to do is when we remember. That the God who stretched forth the stars is the God who dries our tears. And the God who breathes life into Adam and Eve is the God who constantly breathes life into us even today. That the God who created is the God who redeemed and the God who sustains every moment. And that's just the ordinary life for the faithful. It is my prayer. No, it is my supplication to you. Open yourself to what God is trying to do. And God will handle the details. And God will handle the circumstances if we are simply faithful. Let us pray. Glorious Father, we thank you so much for your sustaining presence that is always with us. God, help us to open ourselves each and every moment to the sustaining and directing presence of your Holy Spirit. That it may fill us, that it may empower us, that it may send us, and that it will be for us as natural as breathing. We ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. It's now at this time where we prepare ourselves for communion. I invite everyone